Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today I uh, went solo on this recording, but I sat down with Charlotte Langley, who is the co-founder of Scout. And we talk about their super cool product that is um, shelf-stable seafood snacks and uh, some of the other stuff that she's been working on. And it's really exciting. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. So every time a new episode comes out, it will be automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that on our website, which is globalseafood.org slash podcast, which is where we have a contact form. You can get in touch with us there. And that's also where we have written transcripts of recent episodes. Also, you can give us a follow on Twitter at Aquademia Pod and stay in touch with us there. Twitter, X, X, X Twitter, whatever it's it is. It's still at this Twitter point. for now. <laughs> that's right. And remember to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. We really appreciate everybody that's already done that. So without any further ado, please enjoy Wait, this conversation. One more further ado. There is a further ado. Charlotte, there is one further ado. Charlotte will be joining us at the Responsible Seafood Summit in October in St. John, New Brunswick. So if you'd like to see her speak live at our event, we would love to see you at the summit. You can register at register.globalseafood.org to learn more. That's right. So thank you so much. We'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. All right. I'm sitting down today with Charlotte Langley, who is the co-founder of Scout. How's it going, Charlotte? Thanks for coming. It's great. Thank you for having me. Always a, always a thrill. Yeah, super fun. And like I said, it's just uh, going to be Charlotte and myself today in a very intimate conversation without Justin and Maddie because they are more important than me and they're busier. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just us today. And, I'm sure um, that's not true, by the way. <laughs> well, sometimes. So we're going to talk about uh, something that's very cool. We've had a couple episodes uh, in the past, one specific that I can think of, but something that is, it is something that we have touched on is the idea of seafood snacks and kind of this new, yes. uh, this new facet of the industry, especially on the consumer side, that uh, is kind of just starting to become a thing. And there's a few companies that are making seafood snacks, but it's not so, there's there's not a ton of options out there, right? So uh, Scout is part of that facet of this industry and we're going to talk about some of the cool products that you have but before we get into that i want to learn about you charlotte give us your story kind of who are you how how'd you get to where you are and uh you know what are you doing now all the bits all the good yep. juicy bits all right give well, us the um, story give us a story i'm a chef and i've been a chef for almost uh, 20 years uh which always blows my mind whenever i say that out loud and I've always found myself working in restaurants that were focused on sustainable uh, sustainable seafood or ethically sourced seafood, or responsibly sourced seafood. So I first sort of started at a restaurant on the west coast of Canada um, called Sea, and we worked with small boats, small fishers, you know, what came in that day, that was normal. That became a normal part of my daily repertoire as a chef. And having these like, great relationships with the fishers and the aquaculture farmers and the producers, like, you know, that was, that was very normal and amazing. You know, like one day you're getting sea cucumber for the first time off of the back door as a young you know green chef that's never seen that before and the next day mm -hmm. you're pin boning 50 pounds of sardines which is very challenging because they have four <clears throat> lines of bones in them and it takes a lot of time to get really efficient at cleaning them so you're not wasting product and also 
they spoil quickly because there's a lot of oil. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I've worked in a lot of seafood restaurants and I found myself just sort of traveling about being in them and becoming more and more passionate about the sourcing, the storytelling, because the small communities, the fishers and the people. It's about the people that do a lot of this heavy lifting in the, in the seafood industry. So I got really passionate about sort of sharing the message of like the sourcing and the community and the stories and how to eat more responsibly and, you know, mindful eating, ethical eating, all that kind of stuff. And I found myself sort of thinking, you know, restaurants are great and wonderful and I love them and they're exciting and working the line and instant gratification from consumers. But I wanted to do more. You know, I felt like as a chef that had a relatively good reputation that was continuing to grow as my career is growing and expanding that since chefs became kind of hot and cool and like, you know, kind of sexy and interesting a little, a few years mm. ago that I had this platform to use. So why not share my passion, my, my ideas and what I'm committed to, which is positive impact towards oceans and waterways um, through food, right? We speak to people through food is a love language. Food is my love language. So how am I going to share that with you? So I don't know if I've said this story a few times and I always think it's funny and people from the nineties will be like, yeah, I remember that. There was this time in restaurant industry where everything was put in a mason jar. Do you remember this? Yeah. <laughs> like you'd get a salad, you get a cocktail, you get a dessert, you get your leftovers, you go home because mm-hmm. people are trying to, they were doing more preservation of the restaurant, which is great, but they were also trying to find ways to, you know, modernize their plating, which, you know, funny enough, it's an old way to plate. I was like, you know what? I love that. I love that Russians are doing that and they're preserving food and all that great stuff. But I remember I'm the, really the layered, layered yes. salads. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That? It was like it's, such a huge I think thing. A, it's still, I think there's one company online I've seen like an Instagram ad that still is doing that, which is great. Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Like a giant ball jar with like lettuce yeah. on the bottom and then tomatoes. And like it was, exactly. it was weird. Exactly. So I've done like, you know, tureens in them and you dump them out. There's, like there's so many things people have done. <laughs> so I was looking at that going, you know what? it's bulky it's heavy it costs a lot of money like a glass jar is not five cents you know it's more like in the buck 75 zone depending on where you're at and food costing and um you know managing to make a business work you have to be mindful of profit and loss right so what can i do that's delicious that is responsibly sourced that is nutritious and is accessible and also can can accessible to a lot of people, not just the people that are coming to my restaurant. So canning, you know, I was like, tin was what I thought of. I was going, okay, if I can find a way to get product into tin, this is 2014, by the way, um, I think that'll be a really cool thing. Like, no one's really doing it, like, not that way. And, um, yeah, I wanted to try it out. So I spent a long time looking for canning equipment. So the majority of these processing plants that have canning equipment, they've closed or they're really big, right? Like we're looking at the tomato canneries of the world, like those big Mm -hmm. guys. And so finding equipment was really hard um, or challenging. It just was like, you know, you don't go online like canning equipment and then there's a bunch of equipment there. It's like secondhand jars because there was a big jar trend, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while to find this canning machine and I'll point this out. This was on our website for four years, three years. Charlotte found a canning, um, a piece of canning equipment in her best friend's attic. That is a lie. And it's been a typo for three years and it's pissed me off, but I've in the funniest way possible, because if you've ever lifted a piece of canning equipment, it's like 500 pounds. Like there's no way you're putting that in your attic. Like no one in their right mind would put anything that heavy in their attic. It'll fall through the floor <laughs> that it's ridiculous. It was in the back of this warehouse in Tobacco, Ontario. 
this guy had like, for lack of a better, he was like a bit of a machinist hoarder. Like he had this warehouse full of weird stuff and he was selling his great grandfather's canning equipment, which was too, like for health and safety standards, like not what you should be canning commercially, <laughs> but at home it's okay if you know what you're doing. Gotcha. pH and all that stuff. So I bought it and I just started messing about. So then Camp Scout was born. And that was a while ago. And that was a long way to say it. Like I've done a bunch of other weird stuff, but I think that's what we're here to talk about before we talk about snacking. <laughs> so yeah, so then Scout was born and then I just started canning. I'm trying to understand like how tinning works, you know, what goes, what, what works well in the can, what's interesting and what's in Canada. Like what can we get in Canada that comes from great responsible fishers. So then the relationships started coming back into play. Calling those people. What can we do? How do yeah. we? Hey, remember me? How do we? How? Yeah, yeah. Yes, we can. Like, do that. That's a bad joke. <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it flew right over my head, and then I was like, I know, oh, right? yeah, wait. Um, yeah. So wait, before we get into it, though, like now I'm interested. Yeah. To walk me through the process. How? What? What? What goes into canning? I've never even thought about it. To be honest. Well, you know, like, to me, it's just like, oh, this this facility does canning, and that's just like where. That's it, it right? Right. Well, it's actually really funny because I just went and finished taking my thermal process retort course certification in New Orleans like two months ago because like you do. I'm a chef. Like you do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> because like you being a chef or being a great home cook or whatever, you know, you put ingredients together. A lot of it's an experimentation, like, you know, I'll throw a bit of extra salt or I'll throw a bit of, oh, I got red peppers in the fridge. You know, you're kind of mishmashing things together or mm-hmm. evolving the recipe as it goes. Yep. And you're responding to your environment, you know, like you're out of this or it's humid today. So you have to add put the bread in the fridge or all these things that you react to um, innately. Like you just body reacts to it. Canning is very, very, very specific. Like it is insanely, almost annoyingly specific (laughs) because you can't just throw whatever you want in there. There are so many factors that primarily stem from safety because if you don't properly can something like on a commercial level or at a home level, like at your home, it's really dangerous. Like, you know, botulism is a thing. And the only temperature where you can kill botulism is at a certain type of temperature, which we can't obtain in a home kitchen. So like, but then also that temperature, uh, the actual, the, 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 the terminology for the temperature is called TDT, also known as thermal death time. Nice. Which is like this super scary temperature that will kill botulism. But guess what happens? It's such a high temperature that the, the ingredients in the can, beautiful trout, a light, you know, a small mussel, um, a piece of salmon, a, a piece of lobster, the integrity of that protein is going to be vastly Decimated. changed, <laughs> destroyed, unless you work with that temperature to create the recipe. So you're not just like, boom, can, taste good, let's go to market. It's, it takes a lot of time to, time and practice and dedication to get to that sort of that honey spot or that sweet spot or the honey pot or whatever you want to call it. So you take find ingredients that you want to work with and you go, how do we, how do they have, how do, can I get access to those ingredients? Let's say you want to can mussels. Okay. Well, actually, what would you like to can if you were going to can something? Let's do mussels. Like, okay. Mussels. Let's great. Superfood, high in protein, renewable resources, feeds themselves, healthy aquaculture product. Like that's great product to can. Um, so if you put them in, so mussels come in a shell, right? Like they're closed, they're alive. So you have to access that meat. So you either have to steam them, boil them, cryoshuck them, which is freezing them and taking the meat out when it's frozen. So you have to find a way to get to the meat. That's one step of getting to the mussels before you do anything to them is how do I even access the meat? Mm-hmm. Can my cannery open shells? Like do they know how to steam or do they have the equipment or the ability to do so or cryoshuck or 
Handshuck or whatever, finding that can my can the company do that? That's one big step. You know, if they can't do that, you're not doing muscles, or you're buying muscle meat from another plant, or whatever. And then it's once they're out of the shell, each part of the ingredient has to be at a critical size. It has to be consistency in the size, whether it's two grams, five grams, or twenty grams. You have to cook the can based on the largest piece that's in there because that's going to be the piece that takes the longest to cook. And that's like the scary, unsafe part. Like if you cook it according to the two gram piece, that two gram piece is going to cook way faster than the seven to 10 gram piece. So guess what? That's your opportunity for risk increases. Mm -hmm. So when I first started doing this, I would not talk about this. I was like, let's just make it delicious. And like, you know, throw this stuff together and vinegars and acids and butter. And I treated it like cooking at home, Mm -hmm. but it's like science. So how do you, how do you bring passion, culinary art, creativity, and mash it with science? So the output is delicious, nutritious, responsibly sourced, and you want to buy it. You know, you want to eat it. <laughs> can I, so can I just say it, it's it's obvious that you're a chef first because the first descriptor you always go to <laughs> is delicious. It's important because people find, want to I put it in their mouths again. Because people who aren't chefs don't all, don't usually do that. No, that's, like the course that I it, went right? to. The, yeah, absolutely. The course that I went to, and now I can speak more to safety. I was the only chef in the room. It was all like product dev people and R&D and QA, like quality assurance, all these mm-hmm. people. And I, I was like, well, what about quality? Like, what about this recipe? Like, what? hey, you're changing the temperature by a five minute or five degrees increase. That's going to mess up with my recipe. So all these people that work for like Ragu and Pepsi and like all these big friggin' brands, mm-hmm. they never put the chef in this course to say, how do we make sure the quality of the product is excellent? To make it that pe- something that people want to consume because otherwise it's just, you're just canning stuff that, it's just, just going to sit on a shelf. Yeah, and or you're also canning like the bare minimum. Like you're using a bunch of other ingredients like man-made alginates and a bunch of stuff that is not natural. Like not natural, but it's more processed. At this point, it's more of a processed food. Mm-hmm. It's not a real food anymore or it becomes less of a real food. You know, we have enough processed food out there. Like let's try to get back to natural food. So canning is a great way to preserve delicious, nutritious, responsible seafood, everything. And having that quality level is really important to me. And, um, yeah, that's my rant today. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't stop it now because we still have plenty no, of no, time. No, no, okay. no. problem. <laughs> um, I can stop for days. <laughs> right. So, so Scout, let's talk about Scout. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk, talk about how that came to be, where your ideas came from, and then why snacks versus other foods. We'll get into okay. that. So take, take whichever route you choose to choose to drive down. All right. Uh, Scout. Well, Farmers markets are amazing and it's a great place to test the market. You know, you're selling your product in a live action place like a chef. You're creating products, people are tasting them, and they're getting interested in reactions and experience and instant gratification or instant like sadness. So I started selling at farmers markets in the small little stores, being like, canned food, like canned food is super cool. And have you ever seen like, you know, conservas from Europe? And primarily North Americans are used to canned tuna and canned salmon. Right. That's, you know, that's kind of the standard. And that's great. That's a large industry we have here. Um, so I was sort of stuck at this point where I needed help and commercializing a business that is amazing idea that has, you know, the opportunity to grow into a very successful, um, project and success for me is defined by a few different things. It's not just like, and then the company was super profitable and like, yeah, huzzah, we have this profitable company. We have like this opportunity to help expand people's like horizons on canned food in general, you know, tin fish specifically and the benefits of it and the versatility of it and the accessibility and the 
oftentimes affordability of the product. Um, so I asked two, well, I asked one person if they could help me. It's Adam. He's the active CEO of Scout. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this project. It's super crazy. Everyone told me I was nuts. It's never going to work. No one's going to be interested. Blah, 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 blah. After you've heard the earth crazy a thousand times, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to do this anyway because I feel so strongly about it. Mm-hmm. Don't ever, you know, don't stop believing. I think that's a pretty good line from a pretty good song. It's all right. And it's all right. And <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm working on this project. He at that uh, he at that time, I just left the company and was like, I could either go do this project or I could help you. I'm like, well, I think you should help me. So he came on board. <laughs> of course you I'm do. Very, of course right. you do. So I'm very persuasive. I'm a bit of a flirt. You know, like, I'm like, come into this weird, interesting, cool tin fish vibe that you've never even thought. He came from tech. You know, like he's a tech startup guy. I'm like food CPG, primarily restaurant startup girl. So very different worlds. Some things overlap. Like Slack. I think everybody uses that in both worlds. But anyway, <laughs> so he came on board and then we needed somebody that had a bit more of a financial um, background so nate dunn who is the cfo of the company so there's the three of us myself adam and nate i'm the original like brand founder of 2014 but when we commercialized you know the company now looks a bit differently i got my lads i got langley and her lads mm-hmm. and uh Good you know we name. like yeah <laughs> get t-shirt made for our next you, visit you, you guys should cover uh <laughs> don't stop believing we should you know what i'm writing that down <laughs> because i don't want to forget that <laughs> t-shirts and don't stop believing um we then decided we then we started getting banding together on how we figured out how to commercialize this project and typically to start a company like this you need money <laughs> so well yeah yeah well yeah so we found some people that were very amazing um initial investors you know you start with your friends and family typically in grants loans all that kind of stuff it's sort of a creative cash flow which is for most businesses you know it's just like and then you find your angel and you know you went to the heavens uh in sales you start with a bit of a mix and at that time there was somebody in the world that really liked us and they still do. And they had dropped off some of my sample prototypes to um, Dan Barber in New York. And Yvonne Schwenard happened to be there that week. Who's the founder of Patagonia as we all know. And Dan Barber was, you know, the chef of Blue Hill Mm -hmm. and they tasted the cans. And I didn't even know this was really happening to be honest with you. It was like a surprise and they loved them. And I think what they loved the most was like, that was like V1 a product, you know, like I've done V700 at this point of each skew, each, each tin and constantly testing and looking for improvements and all that stuff that I told you about recipe development. Um, and they loved them. And I think what they liked about it is like the innovation of cans, you know, like the process hasn't changed in 110 years. Not really. Like right. the equipment's got shinier metal and the plants are way more efficient and all these things, but like the basic, process is the same and you know it's, it comes under like ph and safety and heat pressure all that stuff there's lots of different types of process of machinery now but they liked it and the innovation and the quality and looking at diversifying uh, species consumption in north america so not just tuna and salmon because that's what we eat and then after that's like crab and shrimp I mean, that's what mostly it's basically the next top species after that for canned food right. and fresh and it's frozen so they liked it. And that was our opportunity that really, there's a few other parts that helped us get the doors open, which could be for another, another time. But that was when Almanac started to help us open the doors of Scout. And we were able to dive deep, literally into product dev uh, production and figuring out how, who's going to buy our, who's going to buy our stuff? Where are we going to put it? Yeah. And then guess what? 
COVID. <laughs> yeah. There's, that's the blip in, that's in the blip. everyone's, everyone's story. Everyone's right? story. But you know, it's really interesting. Like in, I like to, well, actually, the, yeah, this is super it. interesting. I wanted to ask you actually about that. I was planning on asking you about that because oh. we were, you know, we, we launched the podcast in 2019 in yes. spring. So we had like just under a year, uh, just around a year of doing this and talking to business owners and seafood professionals. Uh, and then when it hit and then it, we just kept doing it, we didn't stop. We just started doing it remotely. And um, it was really fascinating to see all of the shifts and the kind of the pivots that everyone was making because of the results of COVID. And what was fascinating to us is that the sales of frozen product kind of shot through the roof because people were home and they wanted to eat different things. They can't just go get their seafood at a restaurant anymore. Exactly. And so they didn't want to go buy fresh food because the, the people they were, were going and they were stocking up. Yeah, they were scared of, of what, uh, you know, no one knew how this was transmitted at the time. And so it could have been That's on your right. food. So people were buying frozen food. And like that was just a, a pleasant surprise for a lot of people in the industry. Like, oh, my God, our frozen seafood sales are just kind of like going through, going the, roof. through the roof. Like, And so I'm I'm curious how how this affected this type of product too, canned fish uh, in addition. The canned seafood industry rose by 300% in 2020. There you go. And we launched in 2020. We commercialized in 2020. So guess what? Good year to launch a canning company. Like mm. in yeah, for sure. <laughs> in retrospect, like, you know, that wasn't the plan. The initial plan was to launch into food service, you know, finding way because food labor, uh, sorry, labor shortages and, um, you know, talent shortages, people that are cooking because they have to, not because they want to, yeah. um, finding a product like, the tins, you know, you can crack a bunch of cans and have a nice little secuterie board in your restaurant as an appetizer or throw it into a pasta or a salad or whatever mm-hmm. that helps with labor and it's something delicious. Like, you know, we've done the work for you in the back end. You just need to finish it at the table. Yeah, just and crack that it helps open. Crack it open and go. Crack and go. Eat and go. You know, fast casual convenience, blah, blah, blah. So that was like <laughs> And other various idea. buzzwords. <laughs> and other various buzzwords, exactly. So that was like the idea initially was to do food service. But yeah. then, you know, obviously mm-hmm. there's no food service to sell through. So D to C was on the rise. You know, that's when Shopify also started to like explode into the market. Everybody was launching online grocery retail outlets. So there was all of a sudden D to C, our own site, D to C from all these other brands that were just like, well, we can't, Whole Foods D to C, you know, Erewhon, Spuds, Sprouts, Thrive, Fair Food 52, like, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, everyone wanted to be that third party delivery exactly so everybody was buying product because they were like we need something cool and new and interesting beyond just you know what's going to set us apart what is our differentiator so we launched as a differentiated product with a range of species that weren't just tuna and salmon lobster mussels trout were the first the craft cans which we launched in 2023 at the time i like to call them like my babies these are the ones that i worked on and i was like this is going to change the world you know like Mm -hmm. this is going to bring conservative culture to north america and um yeah, it's getting there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We're working Slowly on it. Surely. I'm working on it, you know. Can't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> yeah, you're full of them, you know. I, I got to appreciate As a father of three, I really Come appreciate on. these. Okay, good. Thank you. Well, the thing is, like, humor is very important to me. And yeah. we t- there's so many serious things out there. And running a business is very serious. And money and revenue and all that's so serious that I need to make jokes and laugh because it's important to yeah. put a smile on your face. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so why snacks and why snacks and 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 but like and 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 how snacks like how is this different from like a, a pre made you know you get like the 
the tuna packets that are flavored and have different things. Like, mm-hmm. why is that not considered a snack, but this is? Like, what? Like, kind of do some definitions let's, for me here. Let's do some definitions here. Okay. Yeah. Well, snacks. One is people are eating, like, trending in food, people are eating more often, less volume. Like, they're not sitting down to a 20 ounce steak everyone you know every day they're having more snacks lighter meals also people are looking for food that's like high in protein high nutrition levels and a can of tuna with a few other accoutrements like our crunchy toppers that are in the packaging in the snack kit in the seafood snacks excuse me like increase the level of protein so you know you're only getting like well-sourced seafood you're getting a high protein and um like flavor bomb in the middle of the afternoon or breakfast or brunch or wherever or dinner it's great for traveling. It's great for school. It's great for camping. It's like kids like it. It's basically like people. The snack. The snack trend is in, on the rise. People are snacking more. You look at a lot. You go to food. Fit, or not food you go to um, Expo West. It's snack product. It's snack line. It's not people like launching a whole new, like you know frozen microwave food section. It's snacks. Crunchy, high protein snacks. Which again, in the eighties and nineties, it was all about TV dinners. Exactly. Right, That'll probably come back. Like we should actually probably start talking about that as an alternate business now and bring something cool. Like now that actually, you know, now that you and I've said it, I'll call you in six months. There's already going to be like six new brands that are Let launched. Me know. That have launched. Yeah. Well, you know, give me a call. I'm, I'm, I'm down you as a what? founder. We'll Dan? start a band. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. TV dinners. There's actually one thing I've been working on in product development too. In my mind is like understanding how people are eating. And yeah. since the food cost is on the rise, you know, labor, it, Food is becoming more expensive. Moms and dads, parents, whatever, a variety, have to typically work more to put the same amount of dollars on the, on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, So putting your money where your mouth is means they need food that's delicious, nutritious, and convenient. But also still contains that has that moment of like they've done something. Like they've contributed to the meal they've fed their family or their partner or their lover, whoever. It's not just a microwave dinner that goes in and out and they put it in front of you. Mm-hmm. That emotional sharing of a snack or a, an item, a recipe, a menu, a dish is a really important part, I think, for people like bonding and sharing time together. Yeah, but I, they don't have I, the time. I, I, I bet that, you know, I I would guess that that understanding of that um, is part of what went into a lot of the meal kit the delivery meal kit things, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, grab your garlic sodi portion. Yeah. We, we portioned everything out for you. We'll tell you yeah. how to do it. You don't need to do any measuring, but you still get to make it yourself, which is... Exactly. And the only thing I don't like about those brands necessarily is all the packaging because we do have mm-hmm. a little bit of extra it, excess it, packaging It does feel ours, pretty wasteful, yeah. But they have a ton of plastic. So one of our mission, missions and mandates with Scout is to remove plastic from our supply chain. So the seafood snack, for example, is on a compostable container, which is two purposes. You know, you mix it in there eat it out of there on the go, or you can store it in there and put it in the fridge and see it for later or add it to something else. It's not just like to be opened and thrown and discarded. The can aluminum is like the most highly recyclable um, product, which is actually recycled, but like how they say things are recycled. Mm-hmm. That's actually a recycled product because we need to recycle that product yeah, to make that's more That's a whole cans. other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Also, I just came up with a name for our microwave company or our microwave dinner company. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next wave. Mm, love it surf band good, surf right? rock right next wave microwave yeah, uh so <laughs> so then so aluminum and then the spork is compostable and the bag that's inside is the crunchy toppers which is you add later on which is like mm-hmm. the act of the action of doing something incorporating the secret snack and what is material compostable. is that that's compostable yeah cool so you can throw it in your garden and it'll turn back into ozone within a couple of days there's a lot of great companies out there the one that we work on is called grounded packaging and they are finding ways to produce compostable products. Even if you don't 
compost, it will compost. You know, if it goes to a waste uh, um, dump or whatever landfill, it will compost there. It doesn't have to go to an anaerobic processor or like any of these things. It'll just compost once it has water added to it. So that's cool. You know, everything that we've done to do the packaging is very thoughtful. But the idea of the idea of opening up a container on the go anywhere, mixing it in, having a crunchy snack. Because the thing about canned food that is lacking is texture, mm-hmm. right? There's and as a chef, I want crunch. I want like I was going <sighs> to say. I think that's something that keeps a lot of people away from eating canned yeah, food by it's itself. Weird. By itself. Right. And also, too, because it's associated with it being poor food. You know, it's associated with it being food for people that don't have a revenue or whatever, right. have a b- bunch of money. It's associated with like being cheap, which yeah. is totally mi- misconstrued because you should see or, the processing or like, plants. Or like bunker food, like emergency yeah, which, emergency food, which, right? If I had a bunker full of Scout cans and some seafood snacks, I'd be, be like, this is, this is Hell great. Yeah. This is amazing. Maybe I do have one. Bring on the apocalypse. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. So seafood snacks, and there's three different flavors to sort of mix up your palate. And then each one has a different crunchy component. So it's like having a cracker or whatever. But mm-hmm. when you add it, it gives you the flavor of like that really beautiful oceanic light brine, low salted fish that's like delicious and clean tasting. And then there's the crunchy top that has a specific like one or two big crunch bits. Like so, for example, the Zatar has got uh, roasted uh, crunchy chickpeas in there and green pepitas that are toasted. So, you know, you're getting like natural oil and crunch and then all these aromatics. So it's a whole different way to experience snacking, especially tin tish snacking. You go to the other, like the competitor brands, which are really not competition. They are like the big brands of right. the tin fish world, like the bumblebees and the gold seal and all those great other brands, you know, um, mass, mass companies. They put like, you know, a plastic fork in and some rice crackers because they want it to be gluten-free, which is totally cool. But the, I don't feel it tastes like very authentic. You know, it feels like it's, it tastes big and it tastes like mass, mass produced. Mass produced. Yeah. That's what we have. It tastes so processed, you know, a bit more. And I have nothing against that. I understand why that product exists. And I've and that's the right product for some consumers, right? That's absolutely. That's absolutely. But if there's an option to make the product that we're making seafood snacks, delicious, nutritious and accessible because the price point is also different. You know, a craft can, which is the shrimp mussels and a lobster, which was our, has been our number one seller for, since we launched because no one you know, you live in texas guess what you're not getting fresh lobster very often so right. canned lobster is like a super awesome novelty and it does really well in that area it does very well it's our best product selling product but now that the seafood snacks have launched i'm going to speak in american dollars versus canadian because this is you're in america <laughs> as far as i know right we're american yeah american um <laughs> uh the srp is around six bucks you know at a grocery store at a walmart or a 7-eleven or like a it's our more accessible line, which gets people eating great, delicious seafood that's responsibly sourced that comes from an MSC certified processing facility. So even if we can't, you know, get you a can of lobster in your hand once in a while, you're gonna have this as a nutritious snack that also is the point of least resistance cuisine. Open, grab, go. You're getting high protein. All the things that I'm talking about. You know, the sourcing. There's no um, ethic challenges in our supply chain. You know, there's no slavery in our supply chain. Like. All these things are the work that we do because we care so much about bringing these products to market. You know, we're doing the heavy lifting for you so you can just enjoy Scout, which is literally, you know, the motto, enjoy Scout. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, how'd you come up with the name? <laughs> I get that question a lot. 
So my mother's like, is it from To Kill a Mockingbird? I'm like, it is absolutely not from To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, mom. Um, of course it is, <laughs> Yes, mom. mom. Of course, mom. Um, she'll be happy that I even said it. mom in this podcast. She's like, I'm so glad you mentioned me. It's such a thrill. Um, love you, mom. Yeah, I love you, mom. Wouldn't um, be here without you. The idea. So what does the word scout mean to you, just generally? What do you think of when I say the word scout? To me, it's I think of uh, Boy Scouts. Yeah, okay. So what does that mean? Like, What is a so, Boy Scout for you? Uh, outdoor leadership spot. and and overall just kind of learning how to be a good person. Great. That's, that's exactly it. So the other term that goes with that, so not necessarily Boy Scouts, but just Scouts in general. They're mm-hmm. trained to be thoughtful, kind, caring. They can light a fire. They know how to get, you know, they, they, they can go in certain directions. They've got them on a compass. Like, they learn all these like life skills. But the other side of scout is that they're scouting for something. So I feel I'm always like scouting for adventure, new products, new partnerships, new relationships, new conversations, new friends. So that word really summed up for me like being kind and caring towards our oceans and waterways, thoughtful, thoughtful processing, thoughtful process with scouting, which is always like looking and being mindful in the Lord of like what you're, what you're doing, paying attention. So it kind of came from there, you know, like that's sort of a blend of the spaces. Is that, that's, that's kind of romantic, I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I was actually I was about to ask you about the the products themselves and the different yeah. uh, varieties and stuff. And then I was on your web, I, I flipped over tabs to your website, and I'm like, let's ask about the name first. So, um, yeah, so of ta- talk to, talk to us about the product. What what are some of the options? What are the most popular products? Where can people find it? And why why should people switch? Why should people switch? Well, I, just, I think you know once you try it, the product, the quality will convince you just to keep coming back that's just it's delicious right like number one keep eating the delicious stuff but uh so products you know we have our craft can line which i had mentioned which is our trout our trout and dill which is a beautiful farm trout from riverance um which is a trout farm in ohio and they do i have them they're asu certified they have an amazing i believe we've spoken company. with riverance or yeah like maybe they're great. we were we may, maybe we were going to and couldn't kind of get something on the calendar but well, either way, you if you have the opportunity to speak with them, they have an amazing system set up. It's a closed-loop aquaculture system. The feed is excellent. There's no scredding involved in their feed. Like, really modern trout farm. Like, excellent, great product. And we use some of their waste stream in our product, which is also really cool. So Yeah, cool. Um, with dill. Really dill-forward because it's super delicious, and everybody loves a good splash of dill now and then. And now I, I won't stop. Don't stop. And then, <laughs> then there's lobster, which is from Prince Edward Island, which is where I'm from, east coast of Canada. Yep, and uh, it's preserved in a nice, a, a nice lemon olive oil, organic lemon olive oil. So it's like rich lobster with nice citrus flavor, which I really enjoy. And then our mussels, which is my personal favorite and the unsung, the unsung hero of Scout, I find because it is in a tomato, a smoked paprika tomato fennel based sauce. So it's the most like conserva like among the lineup, like European conserva like, because it has more of a robust flavor. It's less popular because people don't typically eat mussels as much. They're not eating a pound of mussels a week and like, oh, I'm going to switch out to a can of mussels, you know? They eat right. a pound of tuna a week and have a can of tuna here and there. So that one's a bit more of a hard and you know, get people across the across the finish line. Yeah, but, I think when a lot of people think about mussels, they they think fresh because it is really, mm-hmm. at least where, where I am, you know, I'm on the East Coast. So, nice. um, it, you know, Northeast, it's seafood is pretty easily readily available but and when i think to get mussels like i don't i don't even think i'm gonna go get frozen mussels i just go get fresh there you go and it's super affordable compared to Mm -hmm. all of the other fresh fish so and it's some um, of the best some of the best high protein natural food you can buy it's good for you and the oceans too yeah it's good for everybody yeah it's it's i can't talk about how good they are i can see how that would be difficult to kind of like 
try to shift that philosophy and that that kind of mental training that people have of like, well, why why should I get canned? But like you said, in places where fresh mussels is not easily accessible, that's a perfect option, right? Absolutely. And it's something to try. And it's also like the cans are the, the place where, you know, you can make a beautiful tomato pasta. You know, you got some spaghettini, you got some tomato sauce, you just dump that can in, load up with Parmesan, fresh basil, pff, dinner is ready in three minutes. Mm-hmm. Actually longer because it's probably depending on where you are, sea level. How long it takes for you to get water to boil, but it's a really convenient. It's a convenient food. It's fast yeah. food, but different. You know, it's not the fast food that we're used to. But yeah. the seafood snacks, you know, we've started with um, ethically sourced, responsible tuna in the seafood snacks because guess what? Everybody recognizes canned tuna. Everybody. Yeah. It's it's right? yellowfin, right? Yes, correct. It's we it's yellowfin tuna, and that comes from our lovely partners down in Mexico that we just launched a new partnership with because. When you start looking for canneries in North America, like actual processing facilities, because we don't own our own, we work with we work with co-packers because opening a cannery is um, cost prohibitive, I'll just say at this point. Um, but finding co-packers to work with that have capacity is really hard because most canneries process for themselves or they have like a contract with Kirkland or Costco, which is Costco or Sobeys or Sorry, I should say American grocery chains. I'm talking about Canadian ones. Costco's in the States. Yeah, but um, I ordered yeah. contact lenses from Costco half an hour ago. There you go. So <laughs> they have, you know, they already have co-packing relationships with a lot of other um, grocery chains already. They do white labeling, which is mm-hmm. the majority of what most can tin fish companies do is white label and brand, uh, which is something that we don't do, which is a differentiator for us. We do all the recipe developments, you know, created by me and my, my squad, Langley and the lads, and then it goes to market. But um, what I was trying to say is that people recognize that species. So by working with this new company in Mexico, we have capacity to scale. And when you scale, you have the capacity, you have the opportunity to share the product at a more um, advantageous price point for the consumer versus, you know, a can of lobster, depending on where you buy it from us, if you buy it online and D2C, like from our website, you're getting get it like at a pretty good price. You know, we, it's so complex because, you know, we sell through so many different retailers and distributors that finding that like perfect little price point line where everybody makes their margins that they need and everybody's happy, but we still make our margin. You know, it's a really unique, it's like, I was, I'm doing this with my fingers, you know, the, the people listening won't see me doing that, but it's Yeah, like it's great. It's great conducting. for an audio format. It's nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> conducting, you know, conducting your margins and as a, as a musical piece and Lobster can go anywhere, you know, if you're in the States and you go to Italy, for example, and it's Christmas, you may see it for $25 a can, which isn't accessible to everybody. But in peak season, when it's bumper crop season, we have lobster coming out of Yahoo and the East Coast of Canada, you know, it can go down to $9.99, which is great. But, and then there's a range. So having tuna as the base of the seafood snack as initials, people, one, people recognize it, they know what tuna is, especially in a can format, which... Adam used to say this all the time. He doesn't like using this line anymore, but I still kind of grabbed onto it as um, it's the gateway fish. You know, it's a fish that people recognize. And once they trust that brandy, our brand even more for the delicious, nutritious, responsible source tins, then they'll try other species. And then we can put other species in the seafood snacks, like trout from reverence, like mussels, like salmon, whatever. You know, we can put other species in there because I think that'll be super interesting to open up a cool, crunchy seafood snack that's not tuna down the road. But people mm-hmm. have to understand what the seafood snack is first, because there are some steps to opening it. So for one, we've got three flavors. There's a chili crisp flavor, mm-hmm. and the predominant crunch is peanuts. So, you know, chili crisp has been a very mm-hmm. popular flavor profile 
in the last couple of years, you're seeing people pulling chili crisps. And like you look at Amsam, you look at all these amazing brands that are launching these beautiful products that are delicious and flavorful, packed full of joy. You know, we wanted to echo people's recognition of that flavor profile. So doing it in a dehydrated format, like all the bases, like crystallized ginger instead of fresh cooked ginger, you know, there's shaved, sh- shaved shallots and uh, garlic instead of cooked. There's um, big chunks of peanuts. There's hot, gorgeous chili. It's three different types. So you get like a variety of heat, like the first, the middle, and the last, you know, so you're getting like, a lot of different things going on. And then there's the zatar, which I mentioned, which is, you know, the, crunch, the crunchy chickpea with the pepita, very fragrant, lots of aromatics of the thyme, oregano, and sumac. So it's like perfumey and very bright. Like when you mix it in and when it hits the oil, it hits the oil in the can, spices bloom in oil. I'm not sure if you know that or have ever heard that. So when it comes in contact with a liquid, primarily oil, the spices go, oh, and they like bloom open and present their flavor. But if you have it like a stale spice, just put in your mouth until it comes in contact with moisture and has a chance to actually like rehydrate. It's just not going to taste that great. But once it does, the flavor is exploded. Then we got a jalapeno lime. And the crunchy base in that is the cornet because I love cornets. <laughs> I love them so much. It's like, you know, my favorite bar snack or when you sit in the bar and you put a cornet, like mm-hmm. I will go to town. And I wanted <laughs> that to have like a bit more of a Southwestern Tex-Mex flavor because that is also a really recognizable flavor profile in North America. Mm-hmm. So getting fla- flavors that people recognize and enjoy and then working with partners to make sure that they feel right and well and doing lots of tasting profiles and sensory analysis and lots of feedback from our uh, investors and what have you. Lots of positive feedback from our investors. We launched, we launched on those. So the product is accessible. The product is crunchy. It's responsibly sourced. It's delicious. Like I've said a thousand times in this interview. And I think it's going to really challenge the other seafood snacks you see at the grocery store because they're good and they're within a similar range. Like yeah. in a similar price point. Yeah, and so. it's it's you know kind of becoming a bit of a theme. I know we have another uh, seafood snack episode kind of on the calendar that we're going to be recording nice. soon too um, about tuna jerky, basically. Um, oh, no. is so it Neptune? Uh, no, we've already had Neptune. We had them. On, <laughs> we had we had him on a couple of years ago, back when it was one for Neptune. That's right. Be- before That's he right. changed, before he changed the name of the company. Um, no, yeah, we, we we have another one. There's a lot of the, there's a lot of seafood snack it. products coming out, which is great. Have you talked to Sea Monsters? Have you ever seen no. Sea Monsters product? It is a seaweed based puff, like a cheese it, like a cheese mm. puff, with like pizza flavor and nacho flavor, and they're like really kid friendly, and they have a super cute mascot. Write it down. Interview him. I'm writing it down right now. He is awesome. The product is delicious. Like it's and it's super fun. I think he's got three flavor profiles. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not. He'll tell you all about it. <laughs> but like I said, it's 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 something that is is starting to grow in popularity very very rapidly. We could almost like yes. if I if I get him on the calendar, we could almost do like the seafood snack series, right? Right. So well, pretty, not a bad idea cool. for back to school time because yeah, we'll get those parents on the old seafood snacking. Yeah. It's but um, up. yeah, seafood snacks are where it's at. You know, why not snacks? Like, you know, what what else would we make? We could do more craft canline, which is great, but unfortunately, it's hard to. Um, launch more craft and more premium brand, like mm-hmm. premium products in the landscape of our world right now. So we're finding products that are still carry all of our ethos. They're still malicious and treacherous responsible, but also um, people can have access to them. And once we get through this economic crisis, 
I'm launching tons yeah. of cool new stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so am I. I got lots of, I got a big pipeline. Yeah, well, we're going to set our company, Next Wave. Yeah. And if anybody next, listening to this is going to take that idea. Nextwave.com. Nextwave.com. We got it. <laughs> um, don't go to that. I don't know where that leads. Don't, I'm actually going to go to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually going to do it right now. Next um, Wave. <laughs> so, speaking it of accessibility, oh, did you find it? A tech site. It's a, it's a tech website. Oh, lame. <laughs> Sorry. Um, speaking of, Accessibility. Uh, where can we get these right now? Besides your website, obviously, where can people find these snacks uh, in the world? We have people all over the world. So, Whole Foods is a really great place to find it. Amazon is a great place to find. We just launched it on Amazon, which is a whole new wild shebang. Oh, yeah, and you will. And then we'll be launching in. Um, well, we're going to be launching in, in I think seven thousand retail locations by the fall. So Amazon in the, probably in the best. The, in like North America, primarily in the states in U.S. Okay. Canada's Canada's launched it's a little bit behind only because of our um, packaging. We have to change this bilingual packaging in Canada, okay. and there was a spelling error that happens every once in a while that we just put just those things down. You know, you yep. know, stop the stop the press and people don't think about those things. You know, no, no. Why would they? They don't have to. That's our job. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, that's your job. That's my job. Sorry, yes. I'm just here <laughs> to talk about job. it. <laughs> I love it. So you'll find us in a bunch of locations, but check out Amazon, our website, which is enjoysket.com. And our local Whole Foods has options, not just the seafood snacks, but our craft can line as well. Right on. All right. So good plug? Getting, that was great. Yeah. That was okay, well great. done. I think you've okay, done great. it before. A couple um, times. So we're getting a little close to time. So I want to, I want to talk about kind of the future, which we hinted on a little bit, but um, you know, what are some of your plans for the future? And then your, immediate and more long-term goals okay personal and professional or like what do you want like first just for scout or do i get to for talk scout. about my own stuff too? i mean if you want to if you want to talk about your own stuff you're more than well, you're this, more than i'm launching a new company called next wave it's gonna be great um <laughs> <laughs> with my new partner here uh no so once the secret snacks have sort of established themselves in the marketplace which is over the next quarter we have a bit of a you know holiday push coming up as you do. We mm-hmm. also have a holiday um, three pack, which I'm really excited about, like our little secuterie three pack, which I'm really very excited to see come to market for the holiday season. Oh, I'll have um, to try that out. Yeah, it's gonna be really, you'll be seeing it soon, very soon. Um, we're gonna be launching um, some new seafood snack flavors. So I've got a few other pipelines of flavors that'll likely include um, like seaweeds and some other things like that. It's like the fur coffees of the world flavor profiles along those lines and doing some more partnerships um, because community is key and partnering with other brands that make other products like this. Something that we're really, really, we're really focused and keen on as well. And then, you know, for craft can line stuff, you know, I have a a closet. Well, it's actually a pantry full of product development. So there's lots of things that we haven't had the opportunity to do yet because it takes time to launch products. It's not canning is slow. Okay. The process of canning is slow by nature. So the process of having having a canning company is slow, <laughs> and that's yeah. Speaking fine. of that, do you, do you like outsource that, that to uh, other canning facilities, or do you yeah, have, have your own? We have, we have co-packers, so other okay. canning facilities, and we can where the species are originated from. So gotcha. lobsters canned in Prince Edward Island are you know tuna and organic olive oil and canned, and our trout is canned on the west coast, which is closer to where the source of the species are come from. To cut down on supply chain challenges. Cool. As much as possible. Um, but there's lots of different species. One of our man- mandates and missions is to include more diversification in consumer species. So looking at other types of fish and other shellfish. So looking at you know, northern pike, perch, bass, walleye, all those species, looking at other shellfish. You know, like 
adding new products to the lineup. And, you know, that'll be a couple of years away, but we're focusing on the seafood stacks now to grow because we need to, we need to grow. Nice. Yeah. Right right on. Well, is there anything else that you want to kind of get out there while you have the platform? Let me just take a look at my notes here. Within reason, of course. (laughs) We're raising 10 million for next wave. Uh, Reach out to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think, you know, I feel really confident what we shared today. And excited about it. And I'm really thrilled that you wanted to have me on the show to talk about it. And I look forward more to talking about, like, this is a very lighthearted conversation now. I think I want to get more in depth in some categories when I'm at the, uh, at the show in New Brunswick in the fall, which yes. I'm looking forward to. I yeah, love we're those excited to have you at the summit. Yeah, it's going to be great, which is October yeah. 2 to 5. Wait, wait the other yep. date, Sandy? Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that week. It's around, great. I don't know if those are the exact days because I'm going to be there before and after. So. I kind Makes of know sense. my schedule more, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the week. Beginning Great. Well, October. I look forward to being the food summit there and talking more face to face with more of the community members and policymakers and the disruptors and the innovators. You know that are looking yeah. to change it up and. And we are going to be yeah. recording there uh, at the summit. Oh, so, uh, we, you know, we're going to do some official episodes that are kind of like in front of a crowd, but then we're also going to be ready to do some kind of on the fly stuff. So we'll make I'll sure that we you. catch up with you again. And yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get you behind the mic. We'll record some, we'll record some um, spots for some TV ads for our new company. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So then uh, oh, my last two questions, uh, yeah. one of them is, you know, like I, I said earlier, we have a listener base that's it's global. We have listeners all over the world. And that's awesome. So that means that we have a lot of, of potential resources for people. So I'm curious, kind of what resources off the top of your head, what resources do you need to help you achieve some of your immediate goals? Oh, that's such an awesome question. I love that. Um, Thank you. It's my the, job. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think that, and also it's when people say that's a great question and it gives me time to think for a second about what I want to say. And mm. I feel that, the biggest thing I could ask for help with right now would be people to help champion the brand as long as they believe in it. You know, like tasting the product is always really important. So I'd love for people to have the opportunity to taste and try and then give me really good feedback because I want to know, like, is it the best or, you know, how do I improve anything? And then once they have that in their hands or their pockets or it's in their lunch bag or wherever it's going to champion the brand and the why, because, you know, Choosing Scout over another brand that you know at the grocery store or where have you, you know, makes a big difference for us. You know, put your, you know, it makes a big impact on our company if you choose Scout over another brand. So having ambassadors that really want to champion our product and are passionate like I am about it, more of those, more of that, please. So anybody can reach out to me at any time. <laughs> awesome. Well, that that's the perfect step. lead in to my next question is <laughs> if people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, for the very generic stuff, the info at Scout Canning is the like, kind of goes to everybody and we all kind of see in there. But a really good way to get in touch, we're really active on our social media channels. So LinkedIn is a great place to find us. The Scout team is really active there, sharing lots of really interesting articles and, you know, championing other brands. Um, and it, our IG, our just DMing on IG, that's like we get a lot of traffic. We have people wanting to do collaborations, people wanting to find a product. You know, the thing that's like three of us that all manage – I'm the CC of the company, and I say this with zero ego. I've been working on this company for at least 10 years in 2014. And I'm in the back end of that IG being like, who's saying what? Like, what's mm-hmm. going on here? Is that, are they happy? Like, how do we make them feel good? Like, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. We're still, we're a very small team, is what I'm trying to say. So we're a very small team, and we're all working together really tightly to take care of all the little bits together. Right on. Yeah, which is nice. There's like six of us. 
yeah, that's that is small. That's a small team for sure. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna just go ahead and call it because I don't want to keep you for too long. But uh, I really appreciate you coming on. You know, this I had a blast. This is a really fun conversation, and I'm excited to try a bunch of these. I'm gonna I want to try all the different I'll bring flavors. Some or I'll get some sent to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure we we have that all the time. Actually, we have people sending us stuff, and those are the best. That's the week. best. Yeah. So. Um, I can get you the the address for that, and then we'll we'll share on the show kind of what Perfect. you know what our opinions were of the different flavors and stuff. Ooh, so, I love that! I'll send you my um, sensory analysis document so you can follow the the tasting protocol. So it's like oh, that's perfect. Profesh. That's fun. That'll be super cool. fun. It's for geeks. Yeah. For maybe we'll geeks. have to do a maybe we'll have to do like a part two of this episode where we have you back, and then we can like do live <laughs> taste testing. That'd be fun. Ooh, okay, I'm into it. Just be like all this ASM. We'll do an ASMR episode. Yeah, but I don't think that I don't, I don't think that'll fly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Amazing. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, really sure. Thank you so much for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you in October. Yeah, have a great day. Folks, that was my conversation with Charlotte Langley from Scout. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a lot. And I hope you are subscribed to Aquademia. So that way, when next week's episode comes out and every episode after that, they'll automatically be downloaded directly to your device. And if you liked this episode, if you wanted to tell us what you think about the show, give us ideas, suggestions that you might have, you can do that on our website, globalseafood.org slash podcast. Or you can do that on our survey, which is still out now. You can access the survey in the show notes and description of this episode. That's right. Make sure you do that. That info is really going to help us out. If you like what you're listening to, we really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and review because it's super helpful to us. And uh, if you want to be more involved, you may want to consider becoming a member. All of the information about our membership program can be found at globalseafood.org slash membership. That's all I got, Maddie. So thank you so much to everyone for listening. And, uh, Great episode. Yeah. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.